Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. <sighs> Caitlin. Yes, Jamie? When we started this podcast many moons ago, I feel like we weren't really honest with our listeners who we were doing this podcast for, really. <laughs> Okay. And so I just want to take this opportunity right here, right now to say, we're doing it for Weebo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bechdel cast. Um, <clears throat> yes. Welcome. My intro was going to be Ooh. something like, um, hey, hey, Jamie, <laughs> I-, I invented some green flying rubber do you want to come try it with me i hope it doesn't hit me in the head with a bowling ball and i go owie Owie. there there the bowling ball scene i mean this is the flubber episode of the bechdel cast so get ready for some like serious discourse the bowling ball scene i thought it would have been so much funnier if the spy like guy if his head mm-hmm. just like exploded like what is that movie where the head like fully explodes what well that's that what movie? would happen if a yes. bowling ball your just pulverized skull would be all over the pavement yeah that is i'm trying to think of that you do you know like the gif i'm talking about where someone's head just bless you son <sighs> I don't, I mean, probably, I've probably seen that. I'll think of it. Anyways, this is the Flubber episode of the Bechtel cast. This, I don't know if this has really been a request. I feel like it's been like a joke request. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever wanted this to happen. Also, we should say right at the top here. So this is the episode that is being released the week of the U.S. election. And the reason... If you if you don't know the re if you're if you don't know the reason because you're like <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> I love elections they're so fun you know it's just 
no matter the outcome, and that really didn't feel good to say. Mm. Everyone's fucking exhausted and upset. Yes. <laughs> and so we figured, you know, why not? Why not release an episode on the flubber? On the We're flubber. not trying to make you like. Well, see, this is where it gets complicated. We were saying, you know, let's not make you know be strenuous with anyone's brain this week Mm -hmm. because we're usually geniuses but like (laughs) let's not like choose any material that is like really dense right but then it turns out we forgot so much about flubber (laughs) (laughs) and there's actually quite a bit to talk about well there's a bit to talk about but it's i think tonally it's not gonna upset you it's not gonna upset you tonally this episode will still be light either and we're we are recording this well before the election so we do not know two weeks the outcome so this is either going to be a we just don't know i guess celebration or a way for listeners to escape the tragic result of the election we don't know but here, but here's Flubber. We don't know what's going on. Here's Flubber. <laughs> uh, and so here's Flo- So the Bechtel cast, if this is your first episode, change that. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen to this again. and only this episode. Oh, that's really fun. This, I mean, it would be kind of mean to us. But if like, you know, when someone's like, oh, I want to try this podcast. What? But it's been on for a long time. What episode mm-hmm. should I start with? And they're like, flubber. flubber. <laughs> the flubber episode changed the way I watch movies. Uh, <laughs> um, the Bechtel cast <laughs> is our podcast where we uh take a look at some of the movies of the world that have had a cultural impact and we look at it using an intersectional feminist lens and Mm -hmm. we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point for discussion and I'm spoiling it Mm. I can't Mm -hmm. believe this movie passes the Bechdel test I'm actively upset by it it's like may I enter yes you may oh like Okay. Uh, I was like, I'm aware of a couple different conversations, but I, I forgot to pay close enough attention as per usual. There's a conversation between feminist icon Weebo, Weebo. and feminist icon Dr. Sarah, uh-huh. where she's like, hey, Sarah, let me in. I'm a robot. I can't use doorknobs. The doorknobs, right. And Dr. Sarah's like, okie doke, come in. And you're like, well, God damn well. it. Damn well, it. if it doesn't pass the damn test, <laughs> well, I'll be. Well, gosh mm. darn! Wait, Kayla, what is the Bechdel oh, test? Oh my though? goodness! It's a media metric mm-hmm. created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test. Mm-hmm. It requires, for our purposes, our version of the test: mm-hmm. two people of any marginalized gender must have names. They must speak to each other and their conversation has to be about something other than a man. And that conversation must last at least two lines of dialogue. Hey, Dr. Sarah, let me in the window. I'm a robot. Okay, come in. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> now and back to talking about Robin Williams <laughs> and what a toxic life partner he is in this movie. Truly. I don't know what's <sighs> going on in this movie, but it's the Flubber episode. Flubber. 1997, directed by Les Mayfield, produced by John Hughes. And it's, we've talked about John Hughes a few times on this show, right? I mean, we definitely yeah. did The Breakfast Club, but we mm-hmm. he, he's come up 
quite a bit. Yes. He has a couple of good movies and then it's really like deadlock between a lot of movies for worst. Yeah. And this is by no means his worst, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's not very good. I think other of his movies are more competently written. I think this might be the least competently written movie he's ever worked on. Right. He has movies that are more problematic, but do adhere to story Story structure a little better. (laughs) Whereas Flubber has third act problems the oh it's movie, got second I mean, act, act problems it's got first act problems well the it's movie got... ends in the middle of the second act and then it just kind of <laughs> starts again i was genuinely i mean i kayla you have a, a, a master's in the damn thing as a student film but where well, is it from i would never bring this up on my own so thank you for right, doing yeah, it for me to, you know Egg you on a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University, not Medfield or whatever well, this, it's this place is called. It's only because it's not real. Also, okay, this is fun. Uh, friend of the cast slash one of the closest people in my whole life, Julia Clare, mm-hmm. is from Medfield. Oh. Ma- Medfield, Massachusetts. Yes. Medfield College does not exist, but I guess the reason this movie takes place in Medfield, Massachusetts is because Walt Disney's best friend is from there. And there used oh. to be a like special tiny airport in Medfield so Walt Disney could visit his friend. And that's the huh. fun fact I learned. So to all our Medfield, Massachusetts listeners, they don't need to hear about Flubber from us. It's Medfield Cannon. <laughs> well, may I share my fun fact? Yes, please. So at, toward the end of the movie, Philip and Sarah are trying to pitch Flubber to Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. And she holds up a sign with Philip's email address on it. Brainard at medfield.edu. Mm-hmm. Now I took it upon myself to email you did that not. email address. <gasps> did anything happen? I said, hi, Phil. I would like to buy some flubber, please. Caitlin. <laughs> In response, I got this. Address not found. <laughs> Pbrainard at medfield.edu. The message was not delivered because medfield.edu could not be found. There's no that such thing. <laughs> so it turns out. That's a really hard way to find out that they made up a college for the movie. <laughs> I know. I'm devastated. I feel like usually, I forget who I was talking about. Was it, were we talking about this on a different episode? Where it's like usually when there's like fake phone numbers and emails, they lead some somewhere. And it's usually like, donate here. Or like, Haha, here's the movie yeah. website. They couldn't even right. be bothered. They couldn't even be bothered to oh. make up medfield.edu for this movie. I can't believe this. Yeah, I think we talked about just... we talk about that on an episode that is coming out in the future after, post this episode. What if we were like so... what if everyone was like, "Wait, they don't record live." Yeah. Um <laughs> so you'll hear us talk about that and you'll be like, "Oh my god." Oh my wow, there it oh is. Oh my god. So we don't have a guest today. We no, we don't have a guest. We just thought we would goof around today because we're goofing. It, it's a tough week here in the US. And so yeah. you know, we wanted to uh speak to none of it and hopefully offer you a little bit of escapism. Yes. So actually Flubber, Flubber is our guest. 
in here in spirit we have here with us flubber do you think there were flubber toys it's so (gasps) weird there's like there was a lot of i remember i had a flubber happy meal toy for sure yeah that Uh, sounds familiar they had these like disney happy meal toys where it would be like the base of the toy was like a v a fake vhs tape and then on top would be a little flubber wearing sunglasses oh i've got Mm. oh jamie your little memory (laughs) <laughs> wow, I'm so proud of myself. That's literally yeah. what it is. Huh. It's wearing sunglasses. I love when Flubber wears sunglasses. I will say <laughs> the dance scene in Flubber, while oh unnecessary, is iconic. And, <laughs> and there, we're big fans of uh, Super Yaki. Flubber? Here, and Flubber. At, <laughs> you know how Super Yaki will do shirts that are like credits in movies? Yeah. I want a shirt that says Flubber Mambo by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman? That was <laughs> such a good credit. I like Why stopped. is there it says like score by Danny Elfman and then there's a separate title card that says Flubber Mambo by Danny Elfman. Why is that its own thing? I ha- I wondered that too and then I came up with a theory which is I feel like if you really make a point to single out a song it says to me you're trying to get trophies for that song do you oh. think they submitted flubber mambo for a best original song at the <laughs> i mean it definitely wasn't nominated but i wouldn't rule it out i like that theory yeah i think that they were like flubber mambo is gonna sweep <laughs> we gotta <laughs> it is good that whole like I love the flubber dance sequence. I was still like, you know, we are like weirdly gendering the flubber at one point. But mm. but outside of that, it's a great dance sequence. The flubber turns into drums. The flubber turns yes. into horns. The horns. flubber. What can't the flubber do? And that's a question we never everything. really get answered. No, you're right. I thought there was going to be a lot of gender issues with the flubber. Right. But it's really the flubber ends up kind of being genderless icon, genderless icon at one point wears a skirt, but we don't really I mean, that could mean anything. That's true. So hmm. we're doing I What's your history with flubber? <laughs> um, my history with flubber, it came out when I was, I guess, 11. Mm hmm. So I was like pretty much the target demo, more or less. I was like getting to an age where, I mean, this was a, the same year that Titanic came out as well. This movie comes out mere weeks before Titanic. Before Titanic, <laughs> yes. And as soon as Titanic came out, that was it for me. I watched nothing for an entire year uh-huh. besides Titanic. But I got a, a few weeks worth of, of Flubber in. So I had was seen Flub- it. Do you think Flubber was like the last movie you saw before Titanic? <laughs> like in theaters? I don't even know if I saw Flubber in theaters. I, we didn't. <gasps> we definitely rented it. We never owned it on VHS. But I've, I, theaters. I, I'm <sighs> so sorry. Yeah, I think we must have just rented it a couple times because mm-hmm. my sister was like eight at the time and she would have been, I think, a little closer to the Target demo. Prime flubber audience. <laughs> <laughs> so I had seen it a couple times as a child, probably like 97, 98, and I, have not, I had not seen it since then. Mm. So it was a pretty big cultural staple in the late 90s. But uh, yeah, I just I never bothered with it. Again, as soon as I discovered Titanic. 
most people know about Flubber, but no one remembers what happened in Flubber. It's very much yeah. like a Wes Anderson movie in that way, <laughs> where you know what it is, and you remember three things that happened in the trailer, but you really are not able to answer any further questions. True. Yeah. Well, what's your uh, history with it? We definitely owned this on VHS, but I have a very early formative memory of seeing Flubber in theaters because I was my my bro, my baby my brother was born <laughs> shortly before this movie came out. I remember this was like wow. He was well, actually, he was born in April 1997, so he would have been like an infant, but not like the tiniest right. infant, like not completely ridiculous to bring an infant to flubber but like oh, i see where this is going don't. so your mom brought a baby to flubber my guess is that me and my cousins really wanted to see flubber and my mom mm -hmm. brought a tiny baby and was like let's see how it goes but i was yeah. like yeah i was i was four and my brother was baby and i just remember he kind of wrecked the flubber experience <laughs> what with being a loud baby and I, so i just when i it's this movie and then weirdly Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle, which I think comes out in 98. I'd have to check that. But mm. those were two movies about wacky professors that I was really excited about that my brother cried his little baby head off the whole time <laughs> and ruined it. And so Ben ruined Flubber the first time. But then we did get the VHS tape and mm -hmm. I saw it many times after. But I haven't seen it for uh, 20 years. Yeah. At least, like, I think that probably we got Flubber on VHS. I watched it 50 times, and then I haven't watched it since 1999. Sure. So there was a lot I didn't remember about it. But I, yeah, early, early memory. Me and, me and Flubber and uh, Ben, if you're listening, he fucked Flubber all the way up for the whole family. Ben... Honestly, it's on my mom. She shouldn't have brought a baby to Flubber, but <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a try. Maybe he would have slept sure. through Flubber, but it's too compelling. He just couldn't. <laughs> I mean, the bouncy ball, the flying rubber. It's He's Flubber. I, I think I remember the trailer for this movie more clearly than the movie itself because there were a few <laughs> moments that I was like, oh, that's a trailer moment, <laughs> such as when he says, it's Flubber. That's definitely in the trailer. Or uh -huh. <laughs> when he says, what a bang. That's definitely in the trailer. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the trailer, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure. It, and then and then when, what's his name? Uh, Christopher McDonald is dancing with the Flubber. That's definitely in the trailer. And then uh -huh. when the basketball player jumps with the flubber. Right. There's no women in the trailer is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> there's... Well, there's barely women in the movie, so... Poor Marsha Gay Harden. Sense. I didn't know who Marsha Gay Harden was the last time I watched this movie. Me either. And now that I watch it, it, it was like in her career-wise, it was a pretty early role for her. And uh, we got to get her out of this movie. We can <laughs> Gotta escape from know, this movie. I know. By the way, uh, Doctor Doolittle did come out in '98, and it was directed by a woman, Betty Thomas. <gasps> wow. So I guess we have to cover it. <laughs> we do. I I bet that movie sucks, but I remember really, really liking it. I have two formative memories at Doctor Doolittle, which is first <laughs> that my brother cried the whole time, and second that because I would always go to movies with all like 10 of my cousins because my mom ran like a fake daycare out of our house 
Yeah. And so we would all go together. And I remember someone got like a roll of Starburst and they were like, just pass the Starburst down the row. And for some reason, I thought my cousins were unwrapping my Starburst and I had like four Starburst <laughs> with the full... <laughs> rapper you told this story before but i didn't realize it was that movie it was eddie murphy <laughs> Dr. and it was so embarrassing because i was like haha what a crunchy starburst and my cousins were you just like, didn't know you were eating Jamie, like i hate paper Jamie. yeah <laughs> clearly it hasn't affected me at all because oh, i don't even remember it happened <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay all right, so should should I just uh, do the recap and good luck? Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see. I'll I'll try to come in on the assist where I can. Thank you so much. All right. First of all, there's an opening sequence that is very similar to the opening sequence of Back to the Future, and we're like, oh, I guess you know, oh. Les Mayfield watched Back to the Future and just copied it. I had not connected that. Okay, mm. I do enjoy the opening of the movie. And a Danny Elfman score cannot be denied, unfortunately. Mm, um, so I was, you know, there were moments when I, on the rewatch of this where I was kind of like dancing with my <laughs> dog, let's say. Um, I mean, there's a mambo. The flubber mambo snubbed. snubbed. <laughs> the snub of the century. <laughs> um, but just that, that part where like you see all the robots like making breakfast and stuff like that. Something very Ooh. similar happens in Back to the Future. I wrote that down as I think that that is safe to say a full on movie trope because I thought of two other movies that happens in that are not Back to the Future. Oh, wait, what? Also happens in Pee Wee's Big Adventure at the very beginning. Mm. And it also happens at the beginning of Wallace and Gromit uh, in a lot of the oh. shorts. And then I think also in the movie where I don't I don't know what it says about the movie other than like there's an inventor in this movie. That and the lengths that men will go to to not do household chores. <laughs> but it's like breakfast. Breakfast machine is definitely... Mm-hmm some sort of movie link they're it's language trying to tell yeah. you something 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 semiotics <laughs> is breakfast machine semiotics we don't know yeah we don't anyways know. um yeah he does have a breakfast machine and then i immediately tried to think of all the other breakfast machines that i'd seen well we've got four four that's too many that's a lot listeners if you can think of any others please that's all in like a 20 year span too too many yeah it's true Okay, so... Um, it's two movies with a Danny Elfman score. Sorry. Wait, what was the other one? Pee-wee? I think so. It was a Tim Burton movie. Safe to assume. Oh, right. Let's see. Yeah. Anyways, continue. <laughs> this is not important. <laughs> so, so this breakfast machine belongs to Philip Brainard. That's Robin Williams. Brain, get it? Right. And it, yeah, if you're like, oh, is this movie subtle? His last name is Brain. This movie is adapted from another... Disney movie I think when like every live action Disney movie that came out in the 1960s except Mary Poppins I was like no thank you um (laughs) but it's one of those so there is a precedent for this character right but that doesn't make his name less really bashing you over the head with a mallet (laughs) so this movie so the 
property is based on a short story by Samuel W. Taylor, mm-hmm. and it's also based on the movie The Absent-Minded Professor. Right. Which I did. You, t- we talked about this a little bit before, and as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh, maybe it's like right there on my Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I'll hit play." So I watched like seventy-five percent of it just to like see if there was anything worth talking about. I watched clips, and I was just like, "Hmm." My takeaway, I don't like it, but Same. it definitely had, I was actually, the only thing I found in my research and like I watched a few clips of it that I didn't realize that there was, I thought that Flubber was a, a 90s yeah. naming convention, but Flubber, uh-huh. it's been with us as a culture. It's been there. Flubber's been there for, yeah. for you know, almost 60 years at this point. So that's. <laughs> So think about that. Which means we're due we're about due for another flubber. <laughs> the thirty if the thirty year cycle is true, <laughs> gird your loins, we're getting flubber in the next couple of years. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, it would be an honor to be involved. You know what would be the most embarrassing, like classically this this moment in time mistake to be? Hmm. Do you see where I'm going with this? All female reboot of flubber. Okay, okay. Wait, what I don't hate it. Flubber was a woman in STEM. You're just like, wow. please just let a woman direct a movie. That's literally all we did. <laughs> we didn't ask for girl Flubber. Um, but would I watch it? Yes, I would watch girl But Flubber. now that you mention it, we're getting it. But hold on. We're getting hold girl on. Flubber. Girl Flubber? Okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> Okay. So anyway, so this is an adaptation, which I didn't realize until I went on Wikipedia. Yeah, I didn't know that before, like researching for this. Right. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about uh, Absent-Minded Professor is that there is another female character who they eliminate in Flubber because the professor has like a housekeeper that I think they replace with Weibo. I think they combine a housekeeper and a dog into yes, a robot. A, yes, that was a my read. I was like, "Wowie, wowie, wow! Where to? Where to even begin?" Or I think they turn the housekeeper into Weber, the other robot, and then the dog oh. Charlie in the first movie gets turned into Weibo. So, for everyone listening, if you, I remembered there was a robot assistant in Flubber. Mm-hmm. I did not remember the extent that she is involved in the movie and that how much she wants to have sex with him i did not remember how horny 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 she was <laughs> i yeah i remembered that i the two things i remembered about her was that she was a robot assistant and that she sometimes played i remember that she played a clip from dumbo on her screen at one point because yes, she, she communicates only in disney owned clips <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which is like uh, fun as a kid, but as an adult, kind of embarrassing to watch. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, let's... Sorry. Where are we? No, it's 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 no one's fault. It's a dense It's text. Flubber's fault. <laughs> All right, so um, Philip Brainerd. He is a science professor at Medfield College, which is at risk of closing down uh, because it owes a lot of money or something. There's, it's, they're in dire financial straits. Mm-hmm. And then we learn by Philip telling his robot, Weibo, oh, if he could just discover this new source of energy, he could save the college. And once you 
listen, if you're if you've gotten this far in the episode, you gotta watch Flubber. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize until I looked at the I had like scholarly journal Wikipedia up as I was watching the movie. Yeah, and it said Jodie Benson as Weibo. I was like, wait a second, Jodie Benson is Ariel. And then once you find out that the voice of Weibo is the voice of Ariel, you cannot unhear it. And you're just like, mm. why does Ariel want to have sex with the professor so bad? <laughs> Anyways, it's her. Yipes. And I'm pretty sure that the later video you see is also her. I'm pretty sure. I was curious about that. If it was... I, I don't know exactly how Jodie Benson looked in 1997, but it looks like her with 90s hair. So I'm assuming. Right. Yes. Okay. And then we expect her to break it out in song and be like, you want thingamabobs? I got 20. She just wants to be where the people are. But she didn't understand <laughs> that once she was there where the people were, that if she wasn't a people, she's not going to be able to she, date. She, <laughs> she kind of has had the same problem in two movies. In the right. first one, she's a mermaid and she can't attain the arbitrary love interest. In the next mm -hmm. one, this is basically The Little Mermaid too. She wants the arbitrary love interest who would not be nice to her but she's a robot this time it's complicated huh wow makes <sighs> you think weebo all right so phillips his future wife sarah played by marcia gay harden oh my god they're supposed to be getting married that evening but he keeps forgetting about it because he's so absent-minded he's Dr. the absent-minded professor we know did you catch I watched this movie twice and I kept forgetting to check. She works at the co the college as well. Her door says Dr. Sarah. Does it say what she teaches? Do we know what she's like a professor of? I was under the impression that she was like the dean or the president. Oh, okay. I thought. Okay. But I don't remember how I got that information. This poor woman does not have a true friend in her entire life uh, because... <laughs> She is being stood up by this man at the altar for the third Repeatedly. time. Repeatedly. This is the third time. Yes. And her friends aren't like, maybe dump him. Yeah, she's got one friend, Martha, who's just like... Who's too supportive. There. I'm like, Martha, you really need to step it up mm -hmm. as a friend because <laughs> Marcia Gay Harden is humiliating herself over and over. Yes. For this loser. Yeah, he's he's missed two other wedding dates of theirs, but he's like, don't worry, Sarah. I will not miss our wedding this time because she's all like, if you miss it this time, we are through. Mm -hmm. Now, before the wedding, though, Philip's rival, Wilson, shows up to his classroom and he openly admits to the following. Stealing Philip's ideas, being oh. petty, being corrupt and wanting to steal his bride to be okay honestly we have no choice but to stand he is the most expository character i've seen in a movie in a really long time like yes. he's so and he's played by christopher mcdonald who is a, a, a well-respected like a good character actor who also has like resting 90s villain face like yes, exactly. he literally they're like typecasting him as mr steal your girl mm -hmm. uh <laughs> and then there's that one what is that line read he does where you're like oh my goodness like can you be serious he like he like walks out after he's been wooing her and he's like i can't lose the girl is mine and you're like <laughs> did he just say that out loud like it's so i feel 
my read was that Christopher McDonald fully knew what movie he was in, and he was just like, all right, I'll read the line. Fine. I'll yep. dance with the flubber. You might not like what you see, but that's on you. He also at one point shits the flubber out of his butthole. He sure does. <laughs> so let's not forget that. That is actually a really good point, and I should have made it sooner. <laughs> We can't forget that he does shit the flubber out his butthole. And that's after he's been defeated because you can argue that that is that scene takes place after the movie should have ended. Right. There's a <laughs> whole point where the movie ends, but then it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. So Wilson shows up and then, okay. So then later that day, as Philip is getting ready for his wedding, he figures out the final piece of the puzzle for this new energy source that he's been working on. Mm-hmm. And then he like does some science stuff. He accidentally blows up his lab, but it ends up working because what emerges but flubber. Ooh. <laughs> it's not a scary Fl- movie. <laughs> October's Ooh. over. It's November. No more scares. No. Flubber is a blob of green, gelatinous, bouncy goo that also seems to be sentient. That was a question I had. Yes. Here's a question. Uh huh. When Flubber starts wilding out, bursting through glass, harassing yes. the neighborhood, mm-hmm. Weebo flies up to also. The science of this movie, I'll say it, as a scientist, it makes no sense. Because he's because Robin Williams Dr. Flubber or Professor Flubber, whatever. Professor Flubber. Professor yes. Flubber is like, I need to make things fly, but his robot can already fly. How is she flying? Great question. Could that technology be applied? But anyways, Weebo flies because she can. Mm-hmm. She flies up to Professor Flubber and says, oh, no, you gave Flubber too much free will. And you're like, is that a <laughs> chemical composition? Like, <laughs> And also, even if, let's go a step further, even if free will can be put in a little test tube, why would you then give it to Flubber? You would think that Flubber having free will. Right would only cause problems. There's no practical use for Flubber having free will and a personality. Here's my theory. Okay. As also a scientist, I have scientific theories. Sure. I think that that line is meant to be a joke, and it just so happens that... That it's not funny? That it's not funny. But then how do you explain Flubber having Having free will? Having free will? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I don't think he deliberately gave Flubber free will. That might just be a byproduct of the very complicated formula he was working on, I'm guessing. I was trying to read this movie like a few movies. I think there's a a few influential movies you can kind of map this movie on. And one of them Mm -hmm. is I, Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Flubber and and Adam Frankenstein uh-huh. have more in common than we ever could imagine. But then don't they just kind yeah. of they have free will, but they just kind of take it in different directions. I don't know. I mean, I guess Victor Frankenstein didn't necessarily want his creature to have free will 
but then it just kind of did. That was kind, and that's kind of a question that comes up later of like, do robots have souls? That's brought up in exactly one line of dialogue. And then right. they're like, we're actually not equipped to handle that. And they're right. Um, <laughs> do robots have souls? Does Flubber Does have a Flubber soul? Does Flubber have a soul? No wow. one asks that. And that's a problem. No one, except for us. So Damn. we're out here doing the important cinematic discourse that is absent this is from the world yeah exact okay exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> anyway so <laughs> uh philip inventing this substance makes him miss his wedding so now wilson the rival man is there to make a move on Sarah because she's all like, I'm through with Philip. And he gives her a ride home. And we're like, oh, oh, oh no. no. Marsha Gay Harden already has no self-esteem. Let's not make this worse. I can't wait to talk about that. I'm just like, does she have like a sibling? Does she have like a friend? Like, is there anyone in her life? Like, we've all been at a low point. Sure. In terms of like, I'm not asking for what I need in a relationship. But this is just egregious. She needs mm -hmm. someone in her life to intervene. I know. It's not funny. You know what? Flubber is sentient. Flubber should, could and should intervene. Flubber should have been like, Dr. Sarah, you know, you're a brilliant woman with your life ahead of you. Why are you settling for someone who keeps, I'm just imagining like Oprah. <laughs> Why isn't Oprah in this movie? Does it, also, I feel like if Dr. Sarah watched a single episode of Oprah, she would be like, whoa. I need yeah. to I need to stop accepting less than what I deserve. You know who would have been a perfect already character in the movie who would have talked her out of marrying Philip is Weebo. She would have done it for uh, yeah. selfish purposes, but Weebo should have been there being like, "Sarah, you can do better. Yeah, I work for the guy, but he's not a good romantic partner. But Go Weebo find someone else." <laughs> Weebo goes a very different way. Weebo <laughs> says i'm gonna ruin your marriage I, I feel like is it implied that she just never reminds him that it's his wedding and also that's on the assumption that someone needs to be reminded that they're getting married which means they're not invested enough in their relationship but like i'm sorry i'm just like he's just so absent-minded though he's absent-minded <laughs> i feel like he just maybe is a lifelong bachelor <laughs> like mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all good. Like, if you're not wanting a... If you are, like, work over relationship every time, then maybe just you need a certain kind of a relationship or no relationship. But I'm not seeing the compatibility. I'm Dr. Phil. <laughs> I'm not seeing the compatibility. She seems like she really, like, wants an engaging relationship. You're not wrong. I just, I, I tried to view her as like, if she were my friend, what would I do? And you would simply be like, don't marry him. Stop trying to marry this person. They're not, they're ill-equipped. You've tried twice already. It's, it's failed both times. Don't keep trying. You're so sad. Like, like you're so sad about him. Let's just like, he's ill-equipped. We've got to move on. We're in Medfield. <laughs> the city's swarming <laughs> with romantic prospects in Medfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I've never been. Um. So, okay, let's take a break before we go any further, because this is going to be an episode where 90% of the episode is recap. So <laughs> let's take a break and then we'll come right back to keep recapping. 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And we're back. So, (laughs) where are we? So, Philip has missed his wedding mm. so he goes to sarah and he's like i'm so sorry mm-hmm. but i was just too busy inventing flubber to be at our wedding and then he shows her flubber and she's like i honestly don't give a shit about flubber we're through now meanwhile how many i mean we've all been there we've all <laughs> we've all been stood up 
for Flubber. I do love his angle coming into this scene. And his angle is like, no, 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 no. I know I stood you up at the altar for the third time, but it's because Flubber. Flubber. And she's supposed to be like, oh, oh, okay. So she does stand up for herself here. And then there's another trailer moment, which is Robin Williams throwing himself directly onto his Mm. spine from a third story window. I was just going to say, he that would have broken his spine. Would have been a fatal and... accident. <laughs> but there's a, I mean, that's part of, I feel like that's a, a, that's kind of a part of like the like 60s movie, 90s movie dissonance, where in the mm-hmm. 60s, I'm sure it looked so cartoony goofy that you're like, oh, this is a cartoon basically. But when you see it with like more updated effects, you're like, oh, that he, he would have died well unless i will say i did have difficulty paying attention to the absent-minded professor when i was watching it but i'm pretty sure that moment doesn't even happen not that, that specific movie. moment but the stunt i sure. feel like the stunts to me the stunts i saw like looked faker i guess because it was yeah, just like sure. an older movie but in the 90s i i mean maybe this is controversial but i feel like for the most part the effects while there's too many of them, mm-hmm. they mostly held like Flubber. I have no notes. That's Lord of the Rings. That's my Lord of the Rings. <laughs> For 97, like the CGI, the practical effects. Yeah, pretty decent. The only thing that really like bumped me is like, whoa, those effects look old. Were some like CGI geese flying in the sky. Yeah. Yes. Those looked really fake. But the Flubber, um, the Flubber dancing. I was like, well, color me impressed. Who am I to say how Flubber dances? This is the only way I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I that well they did have an 80 million dollar budget and I think <laughs> like so 70 much. million of that went to animating Flubber. In 1997 money, like hold on, I'm going to crunch some numbers. You Please. I feel bad. I'm slowing down the recap so much today. Um I'm going to convert <laughs> no flubber money no this is important we need we need the adjusted for inflation okay wait oh wait i'm there i got a website that's like you do the math <laughs> no thank who are you. we professor brainerd I, i'm like <laughs> who do you think i am <laughs> do we get a first name for him uh yeah philip philip oh yeah who am i phil brainerd i <laughs> think so okay 1.62 i'm doing a math problem it would be $129 million in today money. That's wow. so much money. Embarrassing. <laughs> That's such a big budget for for Flubber animation. For Flubber. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the scene is iconic. <sighs> to the Flubber so, yeah. Mambo, no less. <laughs> All right. So meanwhile, Will Wheaton is suddenly in the movie. And you're like, sure. Sure. He's 25, but he's 15. <laughs> Um, he's a student of Phillips at the university. Oh, so he's like 20. Yeah, he's like probably 20. Oh, wow. But he is flunking his chemistry class. So his rich dad, Chester Honecker, sends his goons to Phillips' house to kick his ass. We're not really sure. But they don't get a chance to do anything. (laughs) That was another question. I was like, what were they going to do? do when they arrived at professor flubber's house they're wearing dark clothing that made them seem like they were gonna try to rob him 
mm-hmm. for grades. I didn't know what their angle was, but yeah, we don't. Well, the scene right before that is like, well, he has principles, but anyone can be bought for the right price, basically. So, okay, are you going to go bribe him? Doesn't seem like it. It seems like you're going to go try to beat the shit out of him. Right. But whatever (laughs) they intended to do, they don't get to do because this is when Philip is doing more experiments with Flubber and he's rubbing flubber all over golf balls and bowling balls which end up hitting the goons he has so many sports balls for his experiments (laughs) at his house uh (laughs) it's like you're the worst scientist ever why aren't you in like a legitimate lab you're not measuring anything you're not like Everything, every experiment he does, he's like not using the scientific method at all. Well, it fully (laughs) implies that whatever he's doing with Flubber, the university does not have any interest in funding. Because you would Mm. like, that was another question that I had about story logic, where is he like doing the first draft of Flubber at his house, then he has to apply for a grant to do Like, is it an academia issue? Or like, but he already works there and apparently he's going to get married to someone who's like higher up. Like, couldn't he ask Possibly her? the president. He could, he could ask her, like, who should I ask for funding about Flubber? Maybe, but... Well, Jamie, they're not on speaking terms because he forgot to go to their wedding for a third time. Yeah, but... This is my other question. If like, <laughs> so he, it seems like he's been working on Flubber for maybe a little while. Like mm-hmm. he, like that's what <laughs> Phil and Weibo have led me to believe is that he's been working mm-hmm. on it for a bit. So we're to believe that his work, he doesn't discuss with his fiance at all, even though mm-hmm. it would actually be really helpful because she could probably help him secure funding to do what he's right. doing. Yes. Which then led me to this theory, which is every (laughs) time, this is, okay, every time Professor Flubber doesn't marry Marsha Gay Harden, does she just say, I'm not speaking to you, here's the next wedding? Like, does she just not speak to him between (laughs) weddings he doesn't show up at? Because I don't understand why he wouldn't tell her about Flubber until after he missed the third wedding. Right. It seems like she would be interested in it, which we, which is later confirmed when she's interested in it. Yes. Because, yeah, right. This, <sighs> yes, this all tracks because he already has most of the formula. The only thing that he needed to figure out was like, Chemical oh, X. I need to introduce like heat into the equation to like whatever to have, have some reaction. And that's what ultimately invents flubber so he'd been working on this for who knows how long he had never told her about this ridiculous again this is another red flag for dr sarah being like you were working on like sentient goo and you didn't even (laughs) tell tell me me? if if a romantic partner of mine was like by the way i made flubber i i my reply would be what do you mean by the way (laughs) Is there no transparency? Yeah, why were you keeping that whole process a secret? I thought you were cheating on me. I mean, while you're at home making flubber with your robot. 
and then I would dump them. Which they also don't cohabitate, which I think sometimes happens. Maybe that was more of a thing in the 90s where you wouldn't already be living with... I feel like that's almost a carryover from the 60s, probably, of like... Yeah, I guess. You get married and then you move out of your the house you grew up in or something. I don't know. I was... Yeah, I was like, that's like kind of unusual by today's standards, but I don't... I don't remember 1997. Maybe that was something that happened. But even so, it seems like they weren't on speaking terms before the wedding. And then, and this is like getting nitpicky, I'll admit, but (laughs) they both go to work the day of their wedding? Don't you? People usually take the day off. And it also implies that they're getting married on a weekday, which also really rarely happens. They're getting married on a Friday evening. At 6.30. At 6.30 p.m. I don't know that much about wedding culture, granted, but what I do know is that you usually get married on a weekend day, a Saturday, maybe a Sunday. So people can come. So they don't have to so go people to can come. work. <laughs> right. And that you can just have the day off and enjoy the festivities. That The Friday at 6.30, I at first was thought that was a writing mistake, but then I thought about it and I... I I think it's not a writing mistake and it makes me really sad. I feel like that's third scheduled wedding logic where you're like, I don't care when it is. I (laughs) just want it to happen. And you can see there's like 14 people there. It's a very small wedding. And it makes you wonder how many people were invited to the first wedding versus the third. Which makes you wonder how many tens of thousands of dollars has been wasted on all of the like deposits and all the people you have to book, the caterers, the flower people, the everything. I just have to repeat, John Hughes wrote this movie. (laughs) Like, and he adapted. and, And in the... So... Neither of us have watched the original all the way through. But based on everything I know about the 1960s version, it's less of a movie and more of a series of episodes of like, here's what happens with the absent-minded professor. He does this and then it kind of ends. And then this happens and then that kind of ends. And then it's this. And then like... I don't think so. At least from what I... The chunk that I watched, or like the three quarters I watched, it was like a fluid... Like movie, yeah. God, I mean, the clips I saw, I was like, these seem like three different movies. I mean, but I guess that that's what the 1997 movie is too. It takes a slight, like, act three of the movie. Like, well, first of all, I think maybe the 60s version is better written because, like, the whole basketball game, the whole like villain with the rich guy, that all gets introduced almost immediately, which does need to happen, right? story logic wise well and also there's no like robot plot. there's no robot there's, it's just it's simply a dog and <laughs> you're like well that make that's a movie that's a kid's movie it's someone and it's a dog instead of it's someone and it's their tortured robot assistant that's in love with them like right that change yeah was the change the big difference with the the absent i keep wanting to call it the nutty professor that's not the same thing the absent-minded professor is that later in that movie he's try he tries to sell the flubber technology to the government yes so a bunch of stuff happens there and then meanwhile the bad guy the rich guy who's evil like tries to trick him and like so there's slightly different plot points there but generally it's like yeah it's like a pretty standard cohesive 
movie that doesn't feel that episodic uh and that is probably again better written than flubber because that script is a mess it's not good but it's structured like right that's i don't i yeah i don't know and john hughes took the original like by all accounts from the like context i was able to find there's not that much written about you you know it's bad when you can Google the name of a movie and then the word BuzzFeed and there are no results. That's how you know <laughs> you are you are you are addressing lost media. Mm. But Bill Walsh, randomized name for me, but he he co-wrote Mary Poppins. He did like the '60s live-action Disney movies. Basically, is what he was famous for writing. For. And so he wrote the original script. And I guess that John Hughes like officially took his script and they were like john hughes rewriting a bill walsh script wow this is gonna be so good and then it just like got hornier and it wasn't good (laughs) right what i will say the absent-minded professor while the collective 15 minutes i watched bored me out of my skull and made you want to leave this earth it at (laughs) least like wasn't horny there's a noticeable absence of horny. Why is the children's movie so horny? It's so horny. <laughs> like that for me, I just don't understand. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. As soon as we somehow <laughs> This is the recap is the episode in a way. <laughs> yes. In a way. Um, okay, so the goons show up, they get fought off by the flubber balls. They get hit by the bowling ball. Right. Would have been if you're watching the movie, tell me. Like, it wouldn't be funnier if his head exploded and one of the goons <laughs> simply died of flubber-related causes. That's By funny. the way, the goons, <laughs> the goons are played by, and I didn't bother even to look oh, up the actors' names. I but didn't either. I didn't know who they were. It's Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. No! Yes, is one of them. <sighs> and then the main prison guard from Shawshank Redemption is the other one. Unbelievable. <laughs> How did yeah. they? I mean, I guess they're like, John Hughes movie, $80 million budget, Robin Williams, Disney. You're like, this all sounds like things that people like. But then mm-hmm. unfortunately it is flubber. And then it's flubber. Wow, that's so <laughs> cruel. Also, I wanted to shout out the uh, the character actor who plays Martha in exactly two scenes. Um, yes. Who is apparently Martha Gay Harden's only friend in the world and is too afraid to tell her that she's in the most toxic relationship of all time. But it yeah. is iconic character actor Edie McClurg, who is in everything if you feel like you recognize Mm. her from something it's because you probably do she was i remember her in uh i remember her in ferris bueller's day off Mm. she's in that i remember her in i think yes she's in carrie oh i remember her from planes trains and automobiles she's in a scene where steve martin says fuck like a hundred times in a row because she's like playing this like customer service role so that's also a john hughes movie so she's in a bunch of john hughes movies okay so she's john hughes canon yeah so he brought her in for the but she's first of all classic stock best friend character where Mm -hmm. the only thing we know about her is that she is the leading lady's best friend but unfortunately the second thing we know about her is that she is the worst not a good friend not Um, honest the first thing we know she's a friend the second thing we know she's a bad friend (laughs) Uh, and that's all we know yes also i'm sorry like dr sarah if again if i'm putting myself in dr sarah's shoes 
if mm-hmm. my triple fiance who keeps not <laughs> not being my fiance because he won't show up to a wedding yeah if my triple fiance can't remember my only friend's name I'm not gonna marry them like I'm just not you know right he doesn't even remember her name and it's supposed to be like haha he doesn't even uh-huh. know her name he's so absent-minded and you're like this is not working you're just like no me. this is a bad person don't marry <laughs> you need to get like Marsha gay harden out of here we got to get her out i know <sighs> all right so back to the recap right so philip <laughs> it's been an hour, <laughs> it's been an hour. Yikes. um Philip figures out how to make his car fly using Flubber, and then he flies it over to Sarah's house to win her back, but she is already canoodling with Wilson, which really upsets Philip. He throws an apple at his head. Yes. Uh, Meanwhile, back at Philip's house, Weebo creates a hologram image of a woman I think with the sole purpose of seducing Philip. But the twist is, I think it's actually Jody Benson's body, which is like image, doesn't make yeah. it better. It makes it, I think, even weirder. I know. <laughs> but yes, she goes on some. It looks like the it looks like the um, thing that Cher has at the beginning of Clueless. Clueless, yeah, I thought yeah. that too. She creates this all hologram image of this woman, and she's about to like surprise kiss philip in his sleep but before she can he wakes up and he's like wait a minute i got it i can use flubber to influence the results of the basketball game because there's this basketball game that's happening surprise between medfield and rutland where wilson works and he wants to do this because Wilson was like, if my team wins the game, then you we have to go away for a weekend together, Sarah. So Philip's like, well, I can't let that happen. I can't let the other team win. I have to use Flubber so that Medfield wins. Ah! <laughs> this scene is so pointless that it like makes your body hurt. Yeah, it's also a huge component of the the absent-minded professor 60s movie yes right i knew that it was like a big thing in both of them but in both of them you're just like you're just like why i think it has a purpose in the first one but in this one it's just like a really long scene yes (laughs) (sighs) so then philip goes and sprays liquid flubber on the team's basketball gear and then he goes to watch the game while the game is happening Weebo is back at home and lets Flubber out of its container. Cue Flubber Mambo. Mm -hmm. That's when that scene happens. And then we cut back to the basketball game where Medfield (laughs) College wins. Right. But Sarah is still like, no, Philip, I'm hanging out with Wilson. So he goes home and confides in Weebo about how much he loves Sarah, which Weebo records. And then she goes over to Sarah's house to show her all of the gushy stuff that Philip was saying. And Sarah is touched. So she goes back to Philip and she's like, I'll take you back. And then he's like, look, here's my flubber car. And she's like, this is how we can save the school. So then they go. We should say (laughs) the movie that is set up for us should end when they get back together. That's where the movie for me, I'm like, okay, so at the beginning of the movie, right. Oh no, I keep forgetting about the wedding at the end. She forgives him says, okay, 
we'll get married again. I, it's a bad <laughs> plot, but but <laughs> with the plot we're given at the beginning, it's like I had no more qu- questions right. after that. There's no more. There's, yeah. I mean, the loose end tying up is like the fact that you included a robot and made them horny, but that's kind of on you. The whole like, but what's going to happen to the school? It's like, oh, wait, I never fully understood that yeah. stake. Uh, <laughs> and I don't care. And I don't care about like, it seems like the, that's the other thing is like, the like goons that are sent to the house are taken out by flubber. And then it was for me sort of like, all right, cool. Yeah. They're gone. Resolution. There it is. Like, guess what? They're back. You're like, why (laughs) that the third act is so, was so rough. It was really hard to pay attention. Here's why it's because, and they don't do enough to, to properly set this up or explain it, but the evil rich guy, has loaned the school money mm-hmm. so that he's like, I'm going to collect on my loan by stealing flubber. So then that's why we still have this like tension of, of him trying to like take the flubber and like all those stakes. But yep. that should have played out before Philip and Sarah got back together. I feel like, yeah. Cause you're right. Cause once that tension is resolved, we're just like, okay, cool. The movie should be over. The only thing that was unresolved for me that the movie doesn't even resolve, they instead murder the character, uh, is that <laughs> like, oh, you know, like Weebo is the driving force that gets Professor Flubber and Dr. Sarah back together. But doesn't that, you know, hurt for her because she has these strong feelings for, for Professor Flubber. So what I thought might happen because i don't remember how this fucking movie ends <laughs> i'm like oh like Weebo's gonna have to have this personal reckoning of like well how where do i go from here as as a as a robot where do i go mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like the i've accepted that this is not a relationship that's gonna happen for me but instead that doesn't happen she seems to immediately be like oh well i know it was killing me before and i canceled multiple weddings on purpose but i'm over it and then she's (laughs) killed yeah another example of a woman who's in love with this mediocre man and then just like it's literally her for two-year-olds like it's oh the movie her right the movie her (laughs) if it was for someone who was zero years old if they were like okay so computers and humans could they fuck let's discuss and then, like, <laughs> Flubber <laughs> Flubber arrives at, no, they can't. Mm-hmm. But just in this case, I mean, it's possible. Again, you're like, maybe. I knew this didn't happen because I was like, I would have remembered. But if Weebo, like, maybe Weebo could go date another guy, a human guy. You don't know. But we don't know. obviously she doesn't do that. Instead, she's killed. Instead, she is killed. I just can't get over the fact that Weebo is murdered murdered and then we're supposed to care about it but i could not even begin to make myself care about that moment because weebo like we're still kind of mad at weebo (laughs) right because weebo has done a lot of fucked up stuff and yeah i'm rooting for no one right except for kind of dr sarah who i'm like i just need her to like you know get a therapist or like talk to someone who's gonna like be like act with some self-esteem right but i don't feel anything for professor flubber because he's like (laughs) 
a narcissistic jerk mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't care about anything except flubber <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's who i'm rooting for i'm rooting for flubber i don't know what flubber wants or I what they're trying flubber to do to get whatever they want uh <laughs> i'm not rooting for weebo because weebo is is oh, like also very selfish and doesn't care what is going to make professor flubber happy she just wants what's going to make her happy and then she Mm. surprise kisses him via astral projection and i don't (laughs) like that and like so i'm not rooting for weepo dr sarah has is kind of like too big a project to take on so yeah it's you're just kind of rooting for flubber i feel (laughs) for dr sarah but i'm rooting for flubber Sure. It just, the whole Weibo thing is so, it just like made my head hurt. I totally forgot about the whole Weibo love story and the fact that it is not just unresolved, but killed. (laughs) It's such a John Hughes thing for me to be like, I don't know what to do with this female character. Let's get rid of her. Like, let's, ah, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Well, why don't we take another break and then come back? (laughs) to finish the recap bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th minute of fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me jamie loftus where every week i take a closer look at an internet character of the day who were they what made them so notorious Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC 
was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. Where were we? Um, The the disaster of a third act of this movie. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So Sarah and Philip get back together and then they go to Ford to sell the flubber technology. Weird spawn in the movie. You're like, oh, really? But that was the first movie, too. It's also a Ford car. You're like, what? Yeah, right. American industry is dead. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) But Chester, the rich bad guy, he's mad at Philip again because the whole loan thing or something. Again, it's not clear. But he sends his goons to Philip's house to steal the flubber. And in so doing, that's when they kill Weibo. Um, but Weibo has sure. uploaded her consciousness onto the computer. And then a daughter of Weibo is created. We bet or something. I feel like we are in this episode, we are kind of analyzing things in real time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> the Weibo death. I was like, wow, the Weibo will I did not remember. And I was like, wow. That video, she's so horny. She's like, oh, Professor Brainerd. Ariel the mermaid. She, and again, I'm like, Dr. Sarah, are you really like, yeah, seems cool to me. Like, I get (laughs) like, oh, your robot was murdered. And, but it was so horny. And he's like, crying also there is that okay one of my favorite bad line exchanges in this movie and again it's like no dis i love robin williams no disrespect to him it's not his fault that this movie sucks he's doing everything (laughs) he can but there is that (laughs) there's that line where after it seems like dr sarah has dumped him for good and he comes home he's like me 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 and then he (laughs) he says I guess it's just you and me now, Weebo. It's just us. And she's like, uh. Oh. And oh. then he says, and Flubber makes three. <laughs> yes. And then I just was like, I watched that exchange so many times because and Flubber makes three. I'm like, I can't write like that. That's genius. That's and Flubber makes three. That's incredible. Back to the will. The will yeah. is so horny. And again, the story logic wise, she's like, okay. So first of all, it's another example of like Professor Brain Professor Flubber only has toxic relationships in his life. He has a toxic re- like relationship where he's like mistreating his triple fiance, Dr. Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then he has a toxic relationship with with Weebo, but it's kind of like more on both ends there, because Weebo is also like 
deceiving him and hiding things yes, from him at every sure. turn. And you're like, this is double. T- this is, you know, there's it, it's there's two parties in this situation where I feel like Dr. Sarah is kind of more squarely a victim of the relationship. But mm-hmm. Weibo is like, oh, yeah, I copied all my data and I never told you. And you're like, who programs a robot <sighs> right. to do that? No, <laughs> like I can't think of. But again, Okay, Professor Flubber's big problem is he gives he gives all of his creations too much free will. Too much free will, which also begs the question: <sighs> if he has invented a robot with like he she's AI, he has invented artificial at- intelligence. How has he not sold that technology to save the school? How has that not? been something the only thing he put in it was google calendar and disney plus that's the only thing that's in the robot is it has two apps it's calendar and disney plus and neither of them work uh, <laughs> but it can fly but it can fly it can, and it has its own thoughts and feel it, it experiences human emotion it falls in love with a person but then it, like, it only can play clips of dumbo like it's so confusing that but like yeah no Weibo is shady as hell like she's she's like (laughs) oh by the way I copied all of my data and I never told you also I've been this I've been I've been Jody Benson the whole time but you just didn't know and like she's and I'm so horny and I'm wearing she looks like um uh, she looks like a, a Kate Bush music video is what she looks like in that. Um, oh, with the outfit she puts on? With with the flowy. I'm like, this is like full Wuthering Heights. Like, what is this? <laughs> but, but, but what she says is, first of all, I never told you I copied my brain, which is something as the creator that you would want to know. Mm-hmm. She copied her brain on an emergency disc a floppy disk yes a floppy disk yeah <laughs> and and she implies that she's had like digital zero and one sex with his consciousness because she's like i made a copy of my brain but i took out all the parts that are like weird and random and i replaced them with parts of you which to me says it's their baby she made a baby <gasps> right which they do refer to her like the new Weibo, the little red Weibo, we as bet. their daughter. So and then they raise her. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I was just like, for, I was maybe I'm being a little hard on Weibo, but I'm like Weibo deceitful to the very end. Like, yeah. By the way, I'm pregnant, and you. <laughs> Sure, I'm dead, but I'm pregnant, and <laughs> you have to raise it with Marsha Gay Harden. I'm like, what? And now Flubber makes four. <laughs> Flubber makes four because <laughs> now, and then they 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 like gender Flubber at the end because they they make Flubber like the brother kind of. They're like, I'm not sharing a room with Flubber. He's mm, stinky. And you're right. like, <sighs> what? I I just can't believe. I just can't believe the like from that on I'm like I don't even know where we are. So so she dies but she's pregnant. She dies but she's and pregnant. And you have to raise the baby. And now. You have to raise the baby. And here's the schematics for the baby. <laughs> right. He also just happens to have an updated newer looking little red Weibo robot that that consciousness gets uploaded into, I guess. I can't even handle it yeah it's 
It's no good. Okay, so we're almost done with the, the recap. We're at the climactic sequence. So Philip and Sarah go to Chester to get the flubber back. And Wilson is also there. And somehow, for some reason, Sarah is surprised that he's a bad guy. And it's like, do you not have any judge of character at all, Sarah? I'm just like, what? Yeah, poor. I mean, I'm like, I just wish I could talk to Sarah. I know. I wish you were real. <laughs> and then all the goons are there, so this big fight breaks out. But Sarah and Philip have put flubber all over their hands and feet. So they're, you know, bouncing all around. They're punching the bad guys. Flubber goes through Wilson's digestive system out of his butthole. And that's the final, like, woo, we won. That's iconic. And then they're like, yeah, the enemy, once the enemy poops flubber out his butthole <laughs> that's how you know you won you've won you won the battle's been fought and you lost <laughs> so they win and they save the college and then philip and sarah finally get married but they get but married remotely because he still, still can't be bothered show to show up for the wedding I had to rewind. I'm like, there's no way he didn't show up. He and he's in his basement, like a mile away. He's yeah. right there. It's yeah. ooh, ooh. <laughs> and she has to kiss her daughter. She has to kiss her daughter, uh -huh. who's the who's the baby of a robot that was murdered. <laughs> and you just want better for her. Mm -hmm. You want better for her. She has a pattern where she is with this toxic person and this toxic person just begets toxic robots, toxic mm. everything. I just, I couldn't <sighs> believe he didn't show up at the wedding at the end. It's I like furious. I was so mad. And flubber <laughs> makes four. Flubber makes four. And then, and then here's what I wrote. Um, and then they live flubberly ever after. The end. Sorry, that's the police coming to arrest you for what you just said. <laughs> uh, they're, Oh, a cab. Uh, <laughs> I can't. This movie. Okay. We've talked so much already. Yes. Some lines that stick out to me. Flubber could save this college. Mm hmm. Okay. That I love. Do it yeah. for Weebo. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, <laughs> this line. When after Sarah and Professor Flubber are back together, we're going to sell you the Flubber. Okay. That's a line that uh -huh. they say to the rich guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what else is there? And Flubber makes three, of course. <laughs> so many oh. iconic lines. I think, oh, and I was also going to say that should, we should just try to introduce that into like the lexicon of this podcast of like when the villain is defeated, they have pooped out the Flubber. <laughs> they pooped the Flubber and then the movie is over. <laughs> They oh I can't he go, he says something like oh mommy and then he poops it out he goes oh mommy <laughs> you know what that's another iconic quote he says mm -hmm. oh, oh mommy poops out flubber yeah that is something that happens oh you gave flubber too much free will yes. that's another <laughs> so do you have any notes on flubber no, perfect. I film. actually, I thought I would, but then I didn't. <laughs> I oh, sorry, I meant like the character flubber. <laughs> like 
Flubber, I thought was going to, I thought that they were like going to miss Pac-Man Flubber and they were going to put a lot of gender coding onto Flubber. But they really, the only example of that I could find was when Flubber dances with Flubber. The Flubber Mambo. Yes. The Flubber Mambo. I mean, Oscar nominated in a <laughs> just world. Uh, right. I already, in the time we've been recording this, have tweeted it at Super Yucky, and I'm getting them to consider it. Uh, wow. The, that's just called efficiency, baby. <laughs> um, but it seems like they were trying to put on some gender signifiers onto flubbers. Yeah. Flubbers. Um, <laughs> Multiple um, flubbers. Where they put a kind of a, a, a skirt, a dancing skirt onto flubber. But I would say even that, you know, flubber is such a genderless entity that really any flubber could be wearing the skirt. And while I would say that probably whoever wrote it wasn't was probably in a more gender normative 90s mindset. I don't know that for sure. So sure. in that way flubber is a gender fluid icon i agree i think that they there could have definitely been because a lot of things that especially of this era and before this and even there's you know residual things after this where something that would not be gendered at all would never be assigned any gender will still be given gender signifiers and this even happens yeah. in like a lot of animated movies where like mm -hmm. animals are the characters and they find ways to be like well the female character even though the female and the male of this species look exactly alike you cannot distinguish the them the female has long eyelashes and a bow long eyelashes and like a bust and like hips oh <laughs> sausage party yeah the <laughs> yeah like t like weird animal titties that don't mm -hmm. actually exist there there's a great old at this point but like a, an anita sarkeesian video that like breaks down this whole phenomenon of just mm -hmm. like adding egregious gender signifiers because no reason literally just to do it right which i honestly thought i i was going into this with my 1997 brain thinking for sure that was going to happen with the actual flubber more mm -hmm. but then it was just done with weebo instead yes but flubber <laughs> You know, the flubber itself, iconic. Iconic. Still. Justice for flubber. There, I said it. All the flubber. All of the flubber. There was one time when flubber uh, made a, a fat phobic kind of joke where yes. flubber made fun of a butt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I noticed that as well. And flubber really needs to get right in that way. <laughs> Yeah. So there, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't completely flawless, but it honestly, I thought that the, fl the, the actual flubber, not the movie flubber uh -huh. was going to be, there was going to be way more to talk about, but I kind of don't really have that much to talk about. I really just have like Weebo and Dr. Sarah. Same. So kudos to flubber, the character. You go for, flubber. Also I loved the mambo. <laughs> Flubber seems to be able to reproduce asexually. Yeah. Because Flubber is replicating itself over and over again. But I wouldn't say that the Flubber isn't horny. So for me, it got mm. like the Flubber did seem to be. I'm like the Flubber reproduced asexually. We saw. But I also feel yes. like we saw the Flubber kind of getting like, you know, like stimulated by the other Flubber. <laughs> so... There are some True. questions about 
the reproductive habits of flubber but also i'm like i'm such a prude well it's not my also it, it begs the question is flubber an organic material or is this inorganic chemistry is this organic chemistry or inorganic chemistry we still don't uh, really know yeah and it, and it really you would think well i don't know <laughs> does does too much free will imply sexuality <laughs> Maybe. We just don't know. I don't know. I mean, because Professor Flubber never made it clear what the ingredients are in too much free will, mm-hmm. we may never know. We will never know. The Flubber is kind of just like a scientific miracle. And mm-hmm. I hope that the Flubber gets emancipated from Professor Flubber. Much like, again, and I'll draw that I Frankenstein parallel again. Uh-huh. You know, I Frankenstein got away from Professor... Well, he killed Professor he Frankenstein. He killed... Pro- yeah. He did kill him. Uh, <laughs> he killed him. And what if Flubber killed Professor <laughs> And then got away and then waged the war of gargoyles versus demons. <laughs> I love I Frankenstein so much. Um, wow. If Flubber did kill Professor Flubber, that would not be a children's movie, but it would be a movie I would watch. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't deserve to die, but he certainly is not worthy of a relationship with Dr. Sarah. Doctor, Dr. Sarah. I mean, I don't... I Maybe I've already said everything I need to say about Dr. Sarah. I just like... Again, and it's like we've been having... A, a, a flubber load of fun in this episode but <laughs> from a writing perspective this is like just a really poorly written female character that it doesn't seem like was written that much better in the 1960s but it's Mm-mm. just kind of stunning how passive she is and outside of like the joke slash point we've been making of like she clearly has no support system mm-hmm. to like advocate for her and she's not able to advocate for herself but it's like john hughes is writing this this is not a real person you know like right there is even a version of this script that goes exactly the same way i still wouldn't like it but like dr sarah doesn't really even stand up for herself one time the one time she stands up for herself it's to be like i'm breaking up with you enough with the flubber but then she just goes back on that and and also the the way that what's the villain's name the guy who shits out the flubber what's his oh, name wilson wilson the way he treats her is also really coercive and gross where mm-hmm. he i mean where he literally does like a mission statement where he's like i'm here to steal your girl and your flubber and <laughs> like <laughs> and your flubber too and your little flubber too and your uh, little flubber uh, too <laughs> i'll get you get my pretty you. and your little flubber too <laughs> that shouldn't be that funny um but he i mean the way he treats her and the way she responds is it's a very coercive situation but in Mm -hmm. a way to me it was clear that the writer wasn't really aware like he knows that wilson is bad but Mm -hmm. he doesn't know how to write the response so i just i ended up like feeling badly for her in that situation too because it was hard to tell is she interested in him? But she's not. But then she is, but then she's not. And it seemed like she was just appeasing him to end the conversation. But it, it didn't seem mm-hmm. like that was what the movie... I wasn't sure what the movie thought Here's my feeling. read of it. Because 
like you said, the one moment she stands up for herself when she like puts her foot down, she's like, we are through. You failed to show up for our third wedding. So I can't do this anymore. And it's like, God, that's already the line. First of all, right. It's like, wow, that should like after the first wedding, he didn't show up. That's when you draw the line, maybe. But right. whatever your it's your life. So she puts her foot down. She breaks off the relationship. And then that's when what's his face? Wilson swoops in. She somehow does not notice that he is a sleazy piece of shit because she just does not have any awareness of the world at all. And this is because of this trope that we see a lot where I think a lot of male writers of screenplays think that women are so just like desperate for the affection of a man she will just get engaged to the first man who pays her any attention so when wilson comes in he's like well i'm here now yeah let's kiss and she's like well okay and then and then when and then when he turns out to you know he doesn't show up for the third wedding well three strikes and you're out mister as far as weddings go and (laughs) and then the first guy that shows her attention after that she engages and like yeah she's like well we're in a relationship now i guess and you're like marcia gay harden you're the president of a fictional college like <laughs> you know you're I, a woman it, in a leadership role right no, like you're, you're a woman in academia you're like there's just no reason that her logical choice would be so like anyone like she's a really smart and it, I don't know. It's it's and I and I understand like where there's a lot of women in leadership roles who still struggle with self-esteem. I get mm-hmm. that. I just don't think that, that the writer is thinking that hard about it. It just seems like Mm-mm. a generalization of like she's a woman over 30. She's desperate to get married. Like that was right. more how I read that choice. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> or there's another reading of that where we're we're supposed to think that they're genuinely in love, which brings me to a point that we didn't we didn't touch on yet, mm. which was the like most mind numbing character explanation for me in the whole movie, where I don't even remember which rejection. Oh, I think it's like after the basketball game where Professor mm. Flubber comes home and he's like, mm, "She don't love me because I." <laughs> Stood her up for a wedding three times. He's mm-hmm. like, she doesn't love me. She likes the guy. And then Weebo seems like she's about to confess her love and be like, let's have sex right now, Professor Flubber. <laughs> Take my astral projection body. Uh, <laughs> but then he says, and I didn't write down the quote. I should have. Something akin to, well, you don't understand, Weebo. I am so absent-minded because I love Dr. Sarah so Mm -hmm. much. And you're like, that does not make sense. That does not make, you're, that is the most gaslighty to your own robot shit I've ever heard. It's like, no, it's, I keep forgetting about our wedding because I'm just thinking about how much I freaking love you. And it's like, yeah, no, dude, you're thinking about Flubber. Like, <laughs> we see what you're thinking about. And your 25-8 committed relationship with Flubber studies. Like, you're not thinking about Sarah. That's the whole problem. The, the right. whole infuriating start scene where, like, his Google calendar is like, marry Sarah. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Haircut? Flubber? And you're like, oh, my God. We know you can read. What's happening? 
Yeah, I wrote down that this is a story about a man who loses his fiance because of flubber and then uses flubber the th- the reason he lost his fiance to begin with to try to win her back and it's just like you're and it works you're supposed to be a genius how is this your logic right and then the fact that it does work is just like this is the worst writing i've ever seen in my life it's so frustrating yeah and and then the fact that like he doesn't even apologize to her really Mm-mm. Like, Weebo starts to feel guilty, which she should, by the way. She (laughs) keeps intentionally sabotaging the wedding. Although, again, he shouldn't be forgetting the wedding. He shouldn't need Weebo to remind him he's getting married. That Mm -hmm. said, if he needs Weebo to remember and she's not doing it because she wants to have sex with him, that's not good. Either way, Weebo starts to feel guilt because she has too much free will. And she goes... To a Bechtel cast pass, Be- Bechtel test, not cast, no. Bechtel <laughs> test passing scene with Marsha Gay Harden because she's like, oh, you know, whatever. I'm accountable for this. She's like, no, yeah. look. Also, she's like, no, look. I'm secretly filming Professor Flubber at all times. Right? <laughs> from multiple cinematic angles. And here is him. <laughs> and here is him saying this totally irrational explanation of why he keeps missing the wedding which is that he's absent-minded because he loves you and Marsha Gay Harden's like oh I forgive him and you're like that is not not only is that not just not a good explanation of what's going on it's also he never apologizes to her or like Mm -mm. he sort of kind of does and passing me like oh I'm so glad we're past all of that like and now you can really focus on what matters, which is flubber, which was the problem. Like, I just right. don't get it. <laughs> not only does he not apologize, he never even just tries to talk to Sarah Ever. about what is clearly relationship problems that they are having. He never. Yeah, it's like if he were an adult, he would be like, look, I know, like, here's some flaws that I have. I'm so sorry. I'm going to work on being better. But the only thing he ever does is just be like, here, let me show you how much of a genius I am. Let me show you how good I am at flubber. And that's going to save our relationship. Baby, it's baby, just like, no, what? I'm so good at flubber. You don't understand. <laughs> baby, 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 baby. Like, you know when a guy is like flailing and he's like, baby, 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 He's like that, but with Flubber, uh, <laughs> which has a couple soft bees in it. I it's uh, I felt I felt so mad when she, and then also the like, why does I mean this is a convention we've talked about a million times, but this is just so uniquely bizarre. Why does everyone want to have a, a a kiss with Professor Flubber while he's asleep? Mm. They're like, oh, you, you know, it's like when it's the same, it's the same logic that will eventually get us an all-female reboot of Flubber, which is like, what if we just do the same thing that we did that everyone hated, but we flipped it? And you're like, no one wants that. Like, what if we kissed an unconscious male? And it's like, that's not what people were asking for, actually. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> please <laughs> and talk to somebody. Because Weibo is always citing Disney movie references Mm -hmm. she like to show her intention of what she wants to do with I think her name is Sylvia the like hologram version of her there's like this little clip of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves that plays where you see Prince Charming kissing an unconscious Snow White and she's like 
yeah great idea I'm gonna I'll do, do that. that too and it's just like because and then the only that's what happens when the only thing you install on your emotionally intelligent robot is Disney Plus is Disney. It's, <laughs> it's commentary she's gonna start wilding out with some irrational behaviors <laughs> Okay, what was that Shirley MacLaine movie that she kept watching and then like that was oh. the thing that made her realize that oh, I if I love him I need to let him go kind of thing? I don't know. I was wondering that too and then I was like, wow, we're so young. We don't even know what this movie <laughs> is. I don't know. Let me look up some Shirley MacLaine performances and see if we can guess cuz there were a few I'm guessing that they had to license a few things. I don't know what Disney owned at this time cuz I'm like they right. own the Simpsons now. I don't know if they did then who knows i don't think so they use a mickey rooney clip they use a shirley temple clip they use like Mm -hmm. a few old hollywood clips what do you think it was was it shirley mcclain was it terms of endearment maybe Mm, she was i think would have been older by that point was it it wasn't the apartment i think i've seen that one no because that movie's in black and white steel magnolias no she would have been even older I don't. I have. No oh wait, idea. terms of endear. What is terms of endearment? Maybe terms that of is right. Nineteen eighty-three. Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine. I don't. You know, know, there's someone out there screaming at us from home, being like, "It's this movie." I don't know. Sorry. The only thing I know about terms, I haven't seen terms of endearment, but I know that Karina Longworth talked about it on last season mm. of You Must Remember This, and that's all I know. When you so, said terms of endearment, I thought. The thing that came to my mind was Steel Magnolias. So I don't Apparently know the, the difference between movies. Whoopsie. We're so young. We're so young. And that's honestly killing us. <laughs> um, yeah, I have, I don't know what that was. But I also, that was my first, like, everything I thought was going to happen to the flubber in terms of, like, aggressively forcing gender stereotypes onto a character mm-hmm. that it doesn't really make sense would be this heavily gendered happened to Weibo instead where right. we had a version of this conversation in our her com- like thing where it's not it's not an irrational writing decision to make an assistant programmed tool to have a woman's voice and mm-hmm. I know a lot of the time it seems like oh well this is a win for women but it isn't because the reason that it, that like Siri has a female voice or like you know all mm-hmm. the Siri knockoffs is because we're, you know, at a young age, formed to think that women work in service, you know, like right. care roles. People, and people are more comfortable telling a woman what to do than yes. telling a man what to do. <laughs> so that is why all your robot voices are, or most of your robot voices are defaulting to female. And then there's a bunch of examples of like when it's a science, like when it's a science assistant, you'll hear a male voice. And like, mm-hmm. why is that? And it isn't like off the wall that Weibo would have a female voice because you would assume Professor Flubber is more comfortable telling a woman what to do than a man, mm-hmm. uh, which we know because he keeps <laughs> disrespecting women the whole movie. But then there's the the other robot, Weber, who seems to be doing only domestic chores. And I feel like that robot was coded Iconic. male. I think so. But also you 
you can't really tell because Weber never really talks. I don't think Weber doesn't really have an arc. Where was Weber's arc? Where justice know. for Weber? Come on, justice for Weber. Yeah, I don't really know <laughs> what was going on with Weber other than that he was a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Um. But he, but he was gendered male. I think that they use he him pronouns towards Weber, oh, who is right. a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Why did we gender the vacuum cleaner? So many questions. Mm. Uh, <laughs> there. Um. Yeah, but like. The fact that on top of like the semi-coherent choice where, again, her is not a movie I like. I think it's a fucking, I don't like it kind of yeah. movie. <laughs> but at least Amazing. the the like assistant was made with a like female coded personality. And mm-hmm. it's made clear in the movie why that is happening. Right. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> It just happens. And then she's also given all these like human female nineties stereotypes. Right. That is like, did he program these? He doesn't seem to be emotionally intelligent enough to know what any woman is like. Much he less- literally says, I wish I understood human beings. I wish I understood women. I wish I understood emotions and passions. I wish I understood any of that. <laughs> so how end quote. It's because he just keeps knocking over this like court of free will he's got in his basement. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, the fact that the fact that the first thing we see, you know, Weebo with I don't know why I thought her name was Phoebe. Listeners, mm. if there's another robot assistant in a movie called Phoebe, I was shocked that her name wasn't Phoebe, but maybe my brain was just like Weebo, Phoebe. It's the mm. same. Mm-hmm. Either way. The first thing we see where she's on her own, she's like crying at a romance movie, which it's not, you know, it's just like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of coding. And then when you consider who her programmer is, you're like, how did this happen? Exactly. How long has she existed for? Like, is this something she's developed over time? Like, yeah, I don't know. Does she get smarter as she, does she like develop and grow independent of her programming? There's a lot of questions. I don't know. I feel like they're like, okay, so the viewers of this movie are four years old. <laughs> and they're Jamie and her brother is crying. And they're going to be like, okay, so they're, we don't need to really worry about Weebo's arc. And they're like, no, kill her. Do whatever. She won't remember. And they were right. And I feel like that is like, people will be like, Caitlin, Jamie, why are you... why are you analyzing flubber so deeply this is a children's movie you know what first and in this case normally i would say well doesn't media formulate how you view the rest of your life but in this case we did not remember any of the problematic elements (laughs) and so the answer is i don't know well we didn't remember them consciously maybe but maybe we did subconsciously what if i have been i'm like what if i was watching okay devil's advocate maybe this happened to a listener let us know you're watching flubber and then you're like oh my gosh every toxic relationship in my life is because of flubber like (laughs) i have been stood up at the altar three times three times several times and i didn't realize it was because i was just chasing this unrealistic ideal of professor flubber and weebo (laughs) and flubber makes three I, and Flubber <laughs> makes three. I'm just never going to get over. That's another shirt I want. Just like that part of the script. And Flubber makes three. I'd buy it. I'd wear it. I honestly thought that Flubber was more of like a cult movie. But it's kind of not. I think it's just kind of like 
people remember Robin Williams saying, it's Flubber. Flubber, right. Well, my other counter argument to it's a movie for children is that there are many movies for children that are a million times less problematic and better written. And some of my favorite movies, i.e. Paddington, Paddington 2, Moana, etc. Well, there's even like problematic children's movies that stuck with me more and I still think are better. Like, right. We have whatever you can listen to the Little Mermaid episode, but even in terms of like the canon of Jody Benson children's movies, would I ever, unless I was like making a joke, <laughs> choose Flubber over the Little Mermaid? No, like <laughs> never, because, mm-hmm. because look, the problem is here that more people would be negatively affected by the toxic messages of the movie Flubber if. Flubber was a good movie, but mm-hmm. since it's not, I think that generally the the negative effect was kind of neutral. But maybe if it was good, like The Little Mermaid is a good movie with a lot mm-hmm. of bad messages, and right. that is why so many people carry so many negative messages from it. Flubber right. is a bad movie that no one remembers what happens in it. So, but a lot of people did see it grossed enough over people saw almost 180 million dollars worldwide at the box office in 97 money, which adjusted for inflation is five billion dollars. <laughs> this seems like this was a Thanksgiving movie, it was released like around Thanksgiving time, yeah. I think which mid I think is like November, bring the whole family to see Flubber, and mm-hmm. I guess they did. I did, I was there, yeah. Um, this movie sucks so much like (laughs) but did i have fun watching it yes well the other okay so the other going back to weebo the the weird (laughs) one of the weird things about her is that she is so she's rife with all of these like women be desperate women be lying and deceiving (laughs) women be Shirley mcclain's all that kind of stuff but she is still the more active female character than Sarah. Sarah is so passive. Weibo is far more active, but everything she's doing is deceitful. So it's just like, what is the takeaway? I'm supposed here? to be rooting for we Like, I think that we're supposed that <laughs> I can't suspend my belief to be rooting for Professor Flubber or Weibo. I think that they both need to like work on themselves and I really need to send a long email and be like, I can't be your friend anymore because this is just becoming too much. And the way you're treating Professor Flubber isn't okay. And the way Professor Flubber is treating the people in his life isn't okay. And I just need to remove myself from the situation. And Dr. Sarah and I are going to get an Airbnb this weekend and just talk things out. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Martha should have done. But yeah. we don't know anything about Martha. Um, yeah, no, I, this movie really wants me to empathize with Weebo, but Weebo is acting like a 12 year old, which maybe she is. I don't know. I like, it's just a very junior high revenge tactic to me Mm -hmm. and astral projecting to surprise kiss someone that's new for me in a movie, but that I don't like it, but I've never (laughs) seen it before. I've never seen that. Uh huh. We've seen astral, because pr- there's there's moments in like projecting. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. There's moments in oh I you act as if of- I seen that movie. Get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's moments like that where they're like, okay, let's make out with a hologram. But sure. yeah, I don't Any think Harrison there's ever... Any Ford movie, probably it happens. <laughs> but there's not... Uh, most of those kisses seem to be consensual. So yeah, this is, I think, maybe a rare instance of uh, a non-consensual hologram kiss. So, whoops. So that's not good. And then it happens also in real life. And uh, neither time is there any consequence. The first time it happens, he's like, I had a dream about basketball. And the second time he's like, oh, goody, my ex-girlfriend broke into my house and kissed me. And now I'm so happy. And now now we're going to get married a fourth time. And you're just like... (laughs) And I'm not going to show up to that wedding either. Get me out of this. Yeah, literally. And he isn't. Uh, It's like, get me out of this movie. Get me out of this world. Um, Did you have anything else? (laughs) Two last quick things. Um, Okay. Phil is like, hey, Weebo, come into this flying car with me. And she's like, no, flying makes me sick, even though she is a flying robot. Yeah, I was like, don't you fly all day Weebo, and then she's like, <laughs> I'm sick. And he's like, You're a robot. And she's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was flubber clean energy question mark. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, that's a way better application of flubber than a basketball game. Yeah. Flubber oh seems like renewable clean energy, although we don't, we don't know for sure. We don't really know <gasps> what went is... into the making of flubber. Literally, like, Elon Musk, the story, (laughs) down to the toxicity and lack of understanding of how to treat a human being that Professor Flubber has. Hmm. This is the blueprint. Elon Musk sees Flubber in theaters and is like, I could do that. Yeah. I could be cruel to women and any employee I've ever had. Yeah. And then then also make electric cars. That's his Flubber. Tesla? More like Flubber. Let's not do that to Flubber. I wish that there was a Flubber toy. Also, this was such a moment for, like, 1997 is such a moment for, like, goop in children's entertainment. You got slime. You got Flubber. You got Gak. Remember Gak? I remember Gak. And it's a cycle, too, because it came back a couple years ago as, like, slime that you would make at your house. And Uh that, like, child YouTubers would be like, I'm making slime. And it's like, what? Okay, kids love goop. I get it. I remember getting gack for my birthday once and being like, oh my God, a whole egg full of goop. (laughs) (laughs) Now my parents spent $8 on, like that's too much for goop. Flubber expensive. Do you think that Gwyneth Paltrow saw Flubber and she's like, there are other applications to this? (laughs) Yeah, the implications of this technology are just unbelievable i'm looking up flubber toys because i would i would get you buy a flubber i would buy a flubber well don't email p brainard at medfield.edu asking to buy some flubber because he won't respond god what an asshole honestly toxic (laughs) to the very end uh there are flubber bean bags that the disney store made and there is of course 500 million people on eBay trying to get rid of that Happy Meal toy (laughs) with Flubber wearing sunglasses. There's also, oh my God, there's also a, what the hell? There's a talking Weibo. Wait. That's what? What? There's a talking Weibo. 
Listen, I pre-quarantine, I would be like, I would never get a flubber toy. But guess what? I bought a Babu Frick and it's in my house. Mm-hmm. And I also <laughs> tried to buy, I don't know, I don't know if it's ever coming. It seemed like it was kind of from a suspicious vendor. Uh-huh. But something, Caitlin, you sent it to me, is something called Green Baby. Because I don't think they can call it Baby Grinch without paying royalties. Right. But I mean, but... in a way, flubber, another green baby. A listener sent us that link, actually. So, and I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't shout out. Uh, remember your handle, but shout out to the listener, shout out to who listener. made us aware of Green Baby, aka Baby Grinch, the toy. And honestly, I have to say, I think I just gave a random person thirty dollars. I just don't think that my feeling is that Green Baby isn't coming. I will be. It will be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> if Green Baby gets here in time for me to watch Baby Grinch with it. We'll see. Your we'll see. heart will grow three sizes that day. My heart will explode out of my body and I'll <laughs> die if Green Baby gets here. It would make me so happy. But <sighs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, and Flubber makes three, anyone? So we the movie does pass the Bechtel test, as we've discussed, between oh, yeah. Sarah and Weebo, that quick exchange. The remainder of that conversation is them talking about Phil. So that doesn't yeah. pass. And then Sarah and Martha also talk, but I think they only talk about the impending hetero wedding yeah. that's coming up. So I don't think any of those exchanges pass. No. Jamie... If we have a nipple scale that we have to oh, no. rate this movie on zero to five nipples based on how it fares <laughs> looking at it through an intersectional feminist lens. Sure. Uh, you know what? <laughs> five. Five. Flubber five gets... flubbers. <laughs> I don't know. I... <laughs> I guess I would give this like a nipple. Okay. Because I don't think the movie, I mean, I guess I appreciate any story in which a man is largely motivated by a woman. I feel like, although, I mean, it, it annoys me when a woman is largely motivated by a man right? in a movie, but I don't mind the flip of that. Right. Because I think men normally aren't characterized that way. So when you mm-hmm. do see it, I'm like, okay, that feels sort of like a subversion. Um, although everything that he does to try to win her back is ridiculous and ill-informed. And he needs to go to several hundred hours worth of therapy to learn how to be a better partner. Well, right, because he also does, like, he the one time he attempts to communicate with her, he just ends up spying on her instead. <laughs> right. So that was that was a double disappointment. It was like, oh, it's like, oh, he's going to go try to communicate with her. But then he instead spies on her and then never talks to her and drives away in his flying car mm-hmm. immature right and just the way that sarah seems to be characterized as just being so desperate for the attention of a man that she will just be with any man who is paying attention to her and weebo is characterized as just being also obsessive with the only man she knows to the point where she's She's lying to herself. She's lying to him. She's lying to everybody mm-hmm. about it. It ain't right. But I don't know. I guess one nipple for reasons I don't even know about. Know why? I 
I don't even. I mean, I'm ten. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm gonna say like a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like do have a bizarre, unexplained. I mean, I actually I can't explain. <laughs> You're gonna hate this. I can explain my attachment to the movie, and you know what it is? Hmm. The flubber. I the f- love the mm. flubber. I love the flubber. I love when the flubber dances. I love when the flubber bounces around and breaks things and scares people. I like when the flubber is caught in the glove. I like when the flubber dances the flubber mambo. Mm. I like when the flubber lives happily ever after. And I love when flubber makes three. Do you mean flubberly ever after? Fl- in a way, yes. <laughs> I So this movie, I mean, the redeeming part of flubber is the flubber. Um, the story <laughs> is horrible. The story is maybe one of the worst. Um, it is at least, I mean, I guess the argument that you can make is that it's like not a male protagonist that is openly disdainful of women, but just kind of extremely dismissive and careless in, mm-hmm. I would assume, all of his relationships, but we only see his relationships with women. I can't imagine that it's like he would have a male friend who he would be really attentive towards. That doesn't really make sense to me. But we only see him mistreating his partner and mistreating... Well, I don't even... I mean, and something, something weird robot relationship. (laughs) Uh, He has a toxic relationship with his robot. And then we also see a heavy gender coding on an Ariel the Mermaid robot mm-hmm. who is, I mean, she's suffering. I feel for her in some ways, but also she's like not nice and she is not an ally to other women because she keeps fucking over Dr. Sarah who did nothing, 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 nothing. If she's going to love anyone, she should love Weber, the other robot. Like he's right there. He's also a robot. You're probably more compatible. Why don't I mean, you to try be to have fair, sex? We had nothing nice to say about Weber. Like we're like, we didn't think... <laughs> You know, we're just like, what? He's just a vacuum cleaner. But also, <laughs> there was more that I don't but, know. It's like she doesn't need to date Weber, but like, just yeah, Weibo needs to like take the L or like search herself. And she, what she really needs to not do is die in a blaze of glory and then tell someone that she's pregnant. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna give it half of one nipple, and then also like. What happened with Martha? Uh, she was a bad friend and she was disrespected by the plot. She wasn't even at the wedding. Why she didn't she... even go. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's the fourth one. It's true. She's like, I've been to the first three. I'm not coming to another one. That's, I mean, maybe that's just her establishing boundaries that are like maybe kind of healthy. Uh, true. <laughs> she's like, listen, I'm not, you're wasting my time. I have an e-harmony date. Did that exist in 1997? <laughs> um, Ooh, in any know. case. Yeah. In any case, or Match.com. I don't know what the 1997 dating site was. It was like I think early. it was still not very online, was it? I think it was, but it was like the period of movies where... I wonder when those movies started, when it was like, if you dated online, everyone in the movie would be like, Ugh! <gasps> No! Hmm. No! Don't do that! And then three years later, they're like, I get... Like, I'm taking three dicks a week from the internet. Um, <laughs> in any case... That was that has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> I give it a half nipple, but I'll give it five flubbers. Also, I don't half- think there is a single person of color on screen at, at any all. point in the entire. Even in scenes where there's like there you're on campus and you see 
like extras and stuff. I think every person is white. Which we should have mentioned sooner. Um, in our defense, this is a John Hughes movie, so it almost goes without <laughs> saying that it's going to be the very white, uh, incoherent, and toxic. Yes. Yeah, this movie isn't good, but uh, its saving grace is the one thing that John Hughes didn't make up, which was Flubber. Uh, mm-hmm. Flubber forever. I just put a <laughs> Flubber toy in my eBay cart, and Flubber will be getting to my house on Tuesday. <laughs> incredible uh well (laughs) that's our flubber episode i think you'll agree that it was necessary and good i'm like worried for i i hope everyone in the world everyone in the u.s is doing okay this week i also hope that we're doing okay this week i mean who knows they're you know we we yeah we we don't we again don't know what the results of the election are at this time of this recording we record like a month in advance and that's just um self-care yes (laughs) so that's flubber that's flubber hey here's something i'd like to plug of my own oh yes go ahead i do a new instagram live show Mm-hmm. called Movie Talk with Caitlin. It is derived from a Facebook bit I did for a while back when I still used Facebook, but it's an Instagram live show now where me and a guest, uh, Jamie, you've been on it. I sure uh, have. I've, I've had several friends of the cast on it at this point as well, but it's just me talking about movies with people. There's no preparation that I have to do beforehand. There's no... Uh, post-production work I have to do afterward. It's just a fun little time. So check that out. Follow me on Instagram to be able to watch the show. You can do that. Uh, follow me at Caitlin Durante. And I have a little thing to plug as well. Please. Uh, I have a podcast coming out called uh, Lolita Podcast because I couldn't think of another thing to call the podcast. Um, It's coming out right here on iHeartRadio. It is a deep dive into the story of Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita and its cultural impact in all the ways it has been twisted to get uh, global culture to take every single wrong message from the original work. So Mm -hmm. that is going to start airing on uh, November 23rd and that there's going to be episodes airing into the new year. Um, And it is a project that is very interesting and is um, actively ruining my mental health. So check it out. Sorry to hear that. It's fine. It's actually really interesting. Jamie, you should watch uh, Movie Talk with Caitlin for a palate cleanser. (laughs) I should. I do. I will. Great. (laughs) Um, and then you can follow us all the regular places on Bech- at Bechtelcast. Uh, follow us at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast for $5 a month. Or it's our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon. And you'll mm-hmm. get two bonus episodes a month. And it's Mary-Kate and Ashley November for some reason. <laughs> I insisted. Let's see how it goes. Yep. And you can get our merch at tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast. And... Most of all, just take care of yourself. Take care. Yes. Uh, engage in mutual aid. Uh, we will always keep you updated on everything there that we can. And get yourself a flubber toy. You deserve it. You deserve it. And also live flubberly ever after. And flubber makes three. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bean Dad. The Dress. 
30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.